So for week two of this sermon series, this message is called The Soldier, The Athlete, and The Farmer. And let me just remind you that God did not accidentally make you and Jesus did not accidentally die for you. So don't you, lean, don't you, don't you pretend that it's an accident you're here today. Lean in and listen to the last words of the Apostle Paul. So Holy Spirit, we love you. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge without your presence, this is just a motivational talk at best. But we need something more than that. We need the God beyond that. Meet with us today. And while we have your attention, God, we do ask that you would continue to strengthen your NBA team, the Denver Nuggets. In Jesus' name, if you got some faith, then in Jesus' name, say amen. Amen. I'm gonna get you guys amening. I know it's 9 a.m., but let's go. And uh, did you say Miami? Somebody over here? Okay, I'm preaching over here. And uh, if it offends you that I just took some precious preaching time to pray for an NBA team, uh, this might not be the church for you, okay? <laughs> Chapter two, verse one, here we go. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So how do you be strong in grace? My answer to that question is this, by remembering how salvation works. In other words, it wasn't you who saved you, that was something Jesus did. And in the same way, it's not you who's gotta keep yourself saved. That's something God continues to do. Like if you were to get saved and then for the rest of your life, you gotta work to keep yourself in right standing with God, then the gospel's really not that great of news and you and me are no different than any other people group or religion on this planet. And what we worship is not a savior, but moralism. And the only place that'll get you is self-righteousness on your good days and shame on your bad. Be strong, not in the, the moralism within you that you can muster up. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's like Paul is saying to Timothy and therefore to me and to you that the grace that saves you will be the same grace that sustains you. And the grace that sustains you will be the grace that sets you free. Now be strong in that grace, live on purpose and go change the world. Verse two. And the things you have heard me say, by the way, this is one of those verses that is our framework for how we do groups. The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people, talking to you group leaders, your legends, reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So in other words, share the message of grace that has saved you with the people in your life and then qualify them to go and share it with the people in theirs. I qualify you the lead pastor of the restaurant where you wait tables. I qualify you the lead pastor of the coffee shop where you make lattes. I christen you the lead pastor of the tech company where you code crazy cool apps all day long. Single moms, single dads, I, I christen you the, the head bishop of your household. Christen you the lead pastor of the family that you're building. There's more in you than you know, and you've got this because God's got you. That's a good place to say amen, by the way. <laughs> it's like Paul is saying, we're not just making disciples, we're making disciples who make disciples. Is that not what's happening in Red Rocks Kids right across the hallway? Can we make some noise for our volunteers over with our kids right now? Because you know what that is? It's not babysitting. It's kingdom builders who are building kingdom builders. 
that faith doesn't maintain. Faith multiplies. We are making disciple makers where one becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes eight, eight becomes 16, becomes 32, 64, 128. You're like, how high can you go? Super high, but I'm gonna stop right there, okay? We have a God who like doesn't waste time with addition. He's an exponential God of multiplication. Where scripture even says one person can put a thousand to flight, two people can put 10,000 to flight. The power of collaboration is multiplication. That math makes no sense in algebra one, makes complete sense in the kingdom of heaven. Paul is Timothy's mentor, pastor, leader, father in the faith. And I'm so confident I'm supposed to say this because I think there's a strong contingency of people in our church and you've never considered yourself mentor material. And I wanted to tell you that you're wrong about that. Maybe you feel too old, too young. There's never the right age, right? Unqualified, insecure. And your message today is I think you need a Timothy in your life. And whoever that Timothy is, I know they need you in theirs. You got this. You know more than you think. The Holy Spirit will speak through you. Your testimony is your power and the God of the universe is on your side. Verse three. This is where it sort of starts to get real. Join with me in suffering like a good, what's that word? Soldier of Christ Jesus. So remember, Paul is writing this to Timothy from prison. Timothy is a pastor of a very large and growing church in Ephesus facing nonstop challenges and trials. And Paul's about to give Timothy not three things to go and do like chapter one last week, but three mindsets to become. And the first one is the soldier mindset. A lot can be said about the heart of a soldier. The first word that comes to my mind is the word sacrifice. You either sacrifice for what you want or what you want will be the sacrifice. Anybody in here vulnerable enough, brave enough, honest enough to admit in front of God in the presence of all these witnesses that you don't know how to drive a stick shift? Let me see, thank you for your, thank you. I have found over the years, this is way more challenging for, for men to own up to. <laughs> Guarantee you, there's a guy in this room sitting near a girl you're trying to impress. You didn't raise your hand and you're lying. And I, don't, I get it, I get it. There's a pressure as guys. You know how to drive a stick? Yeah, even though you don't. Have you seen The Godfather? Yeah, even though you haven't. You feel like you're supposed to say yes to that question. <laughs> there's somebody, uh, like, okay, so transparency. I can drive a manual transmission, but I suck at it, okay? <laughs> and very few things make you feel less like a man than stalling in a crowded intersection for, the, for like the second time, having to restart your car while the light turns red and the guy in the lifted F-150 is just laying on his horn behind you. Why is it always a lifted F-150? <laughs> Don't get me started on the F-150. There's a guy in here right now going, honey, get your keys. This guy can't drive a stick. I can't trust him. I don't trust these people. I can't follow this man. If you don't know how to shift gears, you stall. Paul is teaching Timothy how to drive a manual transmission mind. That thing is not automatic. And you're gonna need to know how to shift gears in your mindset. You're gonna, there's gonna be challenging seasons where you're gonna need to know how to shift gears to a soldier mindset or else your faith is gonna stall. 
the soldier mindset, sacrifice. That word sacrifice, kind of that word all of us just love to keep sort of hidden away in our hearts, hoping we never actually have to, to do it and put it into practice. But if you think about it, sacrifice is the force that moves you forward in every single part of your life every part of your life. So you got to church today. The only reason is because your car sacrificed gas to move you forward. Anybody in here with a strong and healthy marriage will tell you sacrifice is what got them here. You want a stronger body this year? You want a sounder mind this year? The name of the game is, is sacrifice. You want a stronger faith, a deeper, more passionate relationship with the big man upstairs? You need to sacrifice time to get into his word and spend time with him. You need to sometimes sacrifice your will so his will be done in your life. You wanna get out of debt and live a financially free future? Like Dave Ramsey would say, you wanna live like nobody else tomorrow? Well, you better be willing to sacrifice like nobody else today. Sacrifice for what you want or what you want will be the sacrifice. Sacrifice for your financially free future or you will sacrifice your financially free future. Sacrifice for your family or you might just sacrifice your family. Sacrifice the Krispy Kremes or sacrifice the six pack. Choose your sacrifice. I feel like such a hypocrite saying that because I had a cinnamon roll an hour ago. There's donuts in the lobby. When given the choice, I choose the sugar bread covered in sugar powder over the six pack any day of the week. Soldier mindset. You think about Jesus, great things happen in the aftermath of great sacrifice. If you feel stalled in your faith, let's make it bigger. If you feel stuck or stalled in any part of your life, I promise you it's because there's something you're not willing to sacrifice in that part of your life. Look at verse four. Nobody serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather lives for something greater, tries to please his commanding officer. So soldiers believe in a greater calling and a bigger story than themselves, so much so they will sacrifice their very lives to make it happen. Anybody else grateful for soldiers who have sacrificed so we get to gather in this room and worship in freedom with no fear? I hope you are, I am. I guess what I wanna say is, Red Rocks, can you imagine what the next chapter of this church story could be if all of us, all of us in this church leveled up and stepped into a soldier mindset of, of sacrifice, fully believing I'm part of a bigger story than me, I have a greater calling than even what my eyes can see in front of me? I mean, you know the potential in this room right now? the influence and the leverage and the talent that's sitting in these chairs right now, the difference we could continue to make, the checks we could continue to write, the mortgages we could pay for other churches in Austin, the people we continue to reach in Austin and Denver and Brussels and beyond, with the soldier mindset of sacrifice, we don't become the limiting factor, heaven does. And that's when incredible things begin to happen. And if you believe that the cause of building the church of Jesus Christ is the greatest cause that there is, and I do, man, I believe you've got the grit to shift gears into the soldier mindset of sacrifice, amen? Okay, verse five. It's only verse five, dear Lord, help me. I hate that clock so much. 
Okay, here we go. Similarly, anyone who competes as, here's number two, an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The next mindset is the athlete mindset. And then this phrase is something based on something I once heard Dallas Willard say. Grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. Follow me here. James chapter two will tell us that faith without works is what? Is dead. Martin Luther once said it this way. We are saved by grace alone, but the grace that saves you is never alone. Work is what follows. If faith is guacamole, then your effort is the avocado. Like that's how I worked hard on that. Let that blow your mind. But that's how important it is. I'll say it this way. The grace that saves you inspires the actions that prove it. It's a paradox, but it's imperative that you get this. Two things that seem to contradict each other, but are both true simultaneously. First and foremost, that your salvation is something Jesus does, not you. It cannot be earned or deserved. It can only be received. Like Paul says in Ephesians 2, we are saved by grace through faith, and that's it. Not by our works, so nobody can boast about it. That's why an arrogant Christian is an oxymoron. What did you do? What are you so arrogant about? You didn't do anything other than get saved by somebody else because you couldn't do that for yourself. We are saved by grace through faith alone. And then that's the starting line of the Christian life, not the finish line. And you're not called to live saved, you're called to live sent. It's the grace that saves you that becomes the fuel to go live on purpose and be part of changing the world. That's why on multiple occasions, I always wondered about this. Paul likens the Christian walk to a race. In, on multiple occasions, all throughout the New Testament, and he says, by the way, run it in a way where you wanna get the prize. Like run it to win it. Run your life in a way that heaven, like that forever depends on it. Not because it'll change your eternal destination, but because it might change somebody else's. There's a very famous picture of Michael Jordan crying and hugging the championship trophy. This was taken on June 12, 1991 in the locker room right when the Chicago Bulls won the, the NBA finals for the very first time. And MJ rarely cried or got emotional, but in that moment, on that evening, with his dad on his right and his wife on his left, in a locker room surrounded by his teammates, in a stadium of fans. His emotions took over. Now, here's what I think. I think that trophy and that celebration and that night was awesome for everybody in the locker room. But I think it was best for him, for Michael Jordan. Why? Because of effort. The ultimate prize of an athlete mindset who lived to play and played to win. Now, this part of the sermon is above my pay grade. One day we'll see in full, for now we only see in part, but here goes. I believe, I think, heaven will be awesome for everyone there, obviously, but it won't be the same for everyone. 
Why else would Jesus preach such a big game about the rewards and the treasures that we store up for ourselves in heaven based on the way we run our race today? Just like that trophy, the more you want it, the more you live for it, the more you sacrifice for it, the more you yearn for it, the more you enjoy it when you finally get it. What if the more you fall in love with God over the next 10 years, the more you enjoy the fullness of his presence for the next 10 billion? The ultimate prize, to hear the two words that the apostle Paul has without a doubt already heard, well done. Oh, grace is opposed to earning. Make no mistake about it. Salvation is free and not something that you do. But grace is not opposed to effort. In fact, it warrants effort. It's the fuel to the race you run as you fight the good fight to finish strong. I want that kind of faith, man. That leaves everything on the court in this one life that I get to live, that by the way is a mist here today and gone tomorrow. I don't wanna, I don't wanna live this life to cash in now. I wanna live this life like I wanna cash in for the rest of forever, like Russell Crowe was telling the truth and how we live today echoes with us into eternity. The athlete mindset, that grace is opposed to earning, but grace is for our effort. And then verse six, the third one is this. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying. I love how the Bible says, read this again. For the Lord will give you insight into all this. That's why we challenge you to get into the word of God outside of of Sunday mornings because God wants to speak to you and God wants to give you insight. I'll say what Ryan said last week. The Bible works, man, but you gotta work it. You gotta read it and don't, and don't just read it, do what Paul says, reflect on it and read it again and meditate on it and chew on it and memorize it and put it into practice. And even by the end of this one series, not only will you know more about the word of God, but you'll start tapping into more of the power of the word of God at work in your life. The farmer mindset. God doesn't give trees, God gives seeds. To plant a seed today is to believe in the garden tomorrow. You could say if you're not planting, are you believing? Had an epic conversation with this amazing recently retired couple a few weeks ago that go, they go to our church and um, the wife told me, she said, every Sunday morning, we look around during worship and we cry tears because we have a front row seat to see our answered prayers of a move of God in the younger generations. Powerful, and she felt it, you could. But then she, she starts laughing and she said, but then we look around and we ask ourselves, okay, but who's paying for this? <laughs> Is it these college kids paying for all of this? And no offense if you're a college student, but if you're under 24 and you tithe, you're the exception, okay? I can't wait to see what God does in your life. I get it, the top ramen season. I was in it for 15 years. Still love it, okay? Um, but man, she looked at me through teary eyes and she said, we'll help pay for it. And I didn't know, it. I just hugged her. I was like, hey, do you want some church merch? Like, Honey, you can have all the hoodies you want. We got awesome ones, you know? I didn't really say that. But this is a quote from her. This is so awesome. 
she said, if God wills it, we have a few prime, her word, decades left in this life. And they will not be marked by saving. They will be marked by sowing. How good is that? And I just was, I was like, can I be you when I grow up? You wanna preach this message in a few weeks, you know? Like Paul says to Timothy, we're gonna read this in two weeks for chapter four, but Paul says, hey, for my final days, for my final years, for my final moments on this planet, I'm a drink offering, Timothy. My life is like a drink offering being poured out drop by drop. I wanna live my life in a way that maximizes impact today here and stores up treasure for my real home then and there. God doesn't give trees, God gives seeds. And farmers don't cry over seeds they sow. Like, oh, I just missed that seed. There's no remorse. There's no sower's remorse because they understand God's design. Hang on to that seed and that seed is all it will ever be, but sow it and you, your children and your children's children will see what it can be. These are the last words of the Apostle Paul, who through snake bites and shipwrecks and setbacks and, and, and constant beatings and floggings and prison sentences from his conversion all the way until his martyred ending. In 2 Timothy, this guy is now preaching what he has been practicing. Paul is the ultimate mindset of a soldier who's willing to sacrifice anything. Paul is the athlete who left it all on the court in his lifetime. Paul is the farmer who lived full and died empty. That's the apostle Paul. Look what he says in verses eight through 10. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. By the way, there was a lot of false teaching happening at that time. Some groups saying that Jesus was fully God, but not fully man. Other groups saying he was fully man, but not fully God. And Paul just attacks that in one verse. He was raised from the dead, fully God. He was descended from David, fully man. This is my gospel, Timothy. That's the thing I'm suffering for and I'm willing to, even to the point of being chained like a criminal he says in Philippians, because even in my suffering, people see me praising in prison and other people are coming to know Jesus because of it. And then he says, but God's word is not chained. I might be chained to my circumstance or my season. I picture Paul in prison, his feet shackled to his circumstance and his free arms raised to heaven in worship. This was not a choice that was decided for him. This was a decision. This was the mindset. My ankle might be chained to this season, but my mindset is never chained. You ever notice life is like 10% what happens to you and about 90% how you perceive what happens to you. Your circumstance can, can chain your life, but nothing can lock up your mindset. It belongs to you in Jesus' name. Paul is saying, no, 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 not my mindset. In fact, he goes on and says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And by the way, he's not speaking of earning heaven. Paul speaks relentlessly of finishing strong. That was Paul's obsession was I wanna finish, like anybody can start stuff. 
I wanna finish this thing all the way till the end. I wanna keep the faith, fight the good fight, and finish my race. He, he's obsessed with now striving with that effort of an athlete to live a life that's worthy of the gospel that has saved you. Verse 11, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Um, if you're walking right now through a painful season, maybe loss or heartbreak or unemployment or sickness or maybe you feel like, man, I don't know how much longer I got. Um, I am well aware that my words can never have the necessary gravity or even be worthy enough to have the opportunity to speak into your season. But those words, if we died with him, we'll live with him forever. If we endure with him, we will reign with him forever and ever. I just feel like God wanted me to tell you he sees you right now. He loves you. He's not expecting you to be happy about heartache. Scripture says he counts your tears and holds on to them. And I guess the painful yet beautiful reality about those seasons where Jesus is all you have is you find out he's also all you need. And I think that's why even for this series, we, we didn't even come up with the creative title for it. We just called it Second Timothy. Because I just think, man, anybody else in a season where you're like, dude, I don't need cute, I need something I can count on. You can count on the word of God you can count on the God of this word. And I'm that pastor who will just always believe the words to the song that we're about to sing as soon as this message is over. Your healing is coming. It's just a matter of time. In Jesus' name. I mean, you look at the, the disciples in any storm they ever got stuck in when Jesus wasn't there. If you're in a storm of life right now, usually that means grace is on its way right now. I believe provision's coming. It's just a matter of time. Your breakthrough's coming. Our king is coming. It's just a matter of time. In fact, Holy Spirit, we pause for one moment and I pray over everybody in pain. Anybody who maybe feels like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Would you draw near to them in ways they've never experienced? Give them the strength not to sit down in a valley, but to keep walking until they walk out of it. Draw close to them in a supernatural way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, verse 12, let's keep going. If we, okay, one of the heaviest verses in scripture, in my opinion. Here we go. If we disown him, he will also disown us. In other words, if we reject him and say no to the free gift of salvation he's trying to give to every single person, then God will honor that request. Forced love is called abuse. That's not our God. He's not gonna force anybody to spend eternity with him who doesn't want to. In the end, really two categories. Those who say to God, your will be done, and those to whom God says, your will be done. 
is sobering. This next verse is encouraging. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown or deny himself. That has been my anthem this week. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. A few nights ago, I'm sitting on my back porch, watching the sunset, drinking a nice cold Sprite, watching my corn pop up in rows, you know, the mindset of a farmer. <laughs> Somebody right now with an F-150 is like, bro, I'm looking at you. You, don't, you can't even drive a stick. You don't have crops. I'm looking at you. You're not a farmer. You're a reader and a mediocre golfer. This imaginary guy is so mean to me. Um, it's good. I need it. Um, and I'm just sitting on my back porch wrestling with this sermon and reading this chapter and I felt that night just like my soul was, maybe you thought I was gonna say full, just faithless. I know I'm not supposed to say that, I'm a pastor and it was really one of those, I'm just like Zoolander looking at the stars, God, who am I? Just looking up like, are you really there? Like this story that I've given my life to is crazy. Are you, and I've taken that spiritual gifts assessment like 10 times. Faith is my number one spiritual gift every time. Got about a million weaknesses, but faith has always come easy. Even in a room of, of doubters, I'm that guy to rally everybody and go, guys, God's got this. He was faithful before. He's gonna be faithful again. Let's freaking go. Like that's always been me, but I have my moments. And I think just a few years of seeing so many tragic and terrible things happen in this world watching and listening to Christians just say horrible things to each other, um, division and feeling the, the added weight now of raising kids in this world and feeling firsthand how life can be very hard and sometimes even cruel and it just, it starts to add up, you know? You just shake your head like this uh, doesn't apply to you and you can't relate. Um, like I even remember a few years ago I was, it was another one of these nights in the middle of the night. I went on a midnight walk with my dog, Luna, and I just had it out with God. And by the way, some of those nights I feel like are some of God's favorite memories with me because it's the most honest I am. And I remember this night just like shaking my fist at the stars going, God, like you're not even real. Earth to God, you're not even there. And then sort of realizing I'm like trying to hurt his feelings. So Obviously, I believe he's real because I'm yelling at somebody I know is there. Why else am I mad at him if he's not existing? Um, but man, even like a few nights ago, just thinking, is this whole thing real? Because building a church is hard. And the world has it out for the church right now. The media has it out for the church right now. Christians have it out for the church right now. That's fun. And I, like my friends and I could be making a lot more money doing something else. Probably get less mean emails and sleep more hours every night. And if this isn't real, like Paul says, if, if this gospel's not real, he's like, then Christians of, like pity us above anybody else because we give our lives to this story. But if it is real, 
And I know like those emotions, I was feeling emotions and emotions are important, but they're not final. Your feelings will make you believe the sky is falling when it's not. Make you believe the walls are closing in around you, but they're not, okay? And I, man, I'm telling you, I know in my knower, wherever that is, <laughs> this, there is nothing more real than the story of the gospel. And there is nothing better you could ever give your life to. This life that is a mist and not the point. I know, I know that I know, but, but a few nights ago, I felt faithless. And that's why this verse has meant so much to me recently. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. That's good news. For he cannot deny who he is. In other words, being consistent is not something God does, it's who he is. Loving is not something God does. Love is who our God is. He cannot deny who he is. That's why he continues to love you even when you shake your fist at him. That's why he's consistent when you're not. That's why he'll continue to be there eagerly ready to listen to you even though you only pray when you need something for him. But he's there so excited for those 15 seconds to listen to you with undivided attention. This is who our God is. He cannot deny his character. Be strong not in your moralism. Be strong in the grace that is consistent in Christ Jesus. For that grace will be the fuel as you fight the good fight to finish strong. The grace that saved you is the same grace that will continue to sustain you and set you free. That's why you can, if you're in a season of doubt, you can still praise God today. Because if doubt doesn't break you, and I do believe this is your decision, it makes your faith into something stronger than it was before. That's why even if you had a royal screw up last night for the 50th time, you can sprint to the throne of grace with confidence this morning. This is who our God is. You can have a bad day because this God doesn't have bad days. He is not like us. His ways are higher than ours in every way we could imagine. The God who's holding the universe is holding your heart right now. Team, you can come up. Oh man, that clock, oh God. Okay, um, let's do this. We got about halfway through. <laughs> so here's your homework. It's like I planned it. Now you know how Paul sets this up because the first half of the chapter is mindset theory. And then he transitions into practical application. And so take these mindsets and go read 2 Timothy chapter two once a day for this week. That's my challenge to you. And keep reading beyond what we read and I think you're gonna find something cool because the Bible is real and relevant and answers the questions that you and me are asking. And we'll just read, let's just read uh, verse 14 guys if we have that. Keep reminding God's people of these things. And, and we'll stop right there. Keep reminding God's people of these things. That's why we gather every weekend to remind ourselves, remind each other, this is our God and this is our gospel. That's why we get in his word outside of weekends to remind yourself he's faithful even when I'm not. He's consistent even when I'm not. Keep reminding yourself of these things and then continue to read chapter two because you're gonna find relevant stuff in there. 
even in the rest of chapter two, you're gonna find stuff in there about the, the dangers of deconstructing your faith without an end game of reconstructing it with Jesus and the dangers of leading other people away with you who are following you, even though you don't know where you're going. <laughs> There's stuff in there about having nothing to do with the godless chatter of the world and shutting out the negativity that is everywhere in order to, to hone in and focus on the one voice whose opinion actually matters about your life. You're gonna find encouragement in there. You're gonna find some challenges in there. There's stuff in there about setting yourself apart so that God can use you and your life to do amazing things instead of just ordinary things. His category's not mine and pursuing holiness because if you wanna live out an uncommon calling, well then that's gonna require some uncommon character. And then maybe most important, just the tone in how Paul writes is this Timothy is how you live in light of the gospel that saves you. Here's how you live out your faith in front of a watching world. Paul was obsessed with living out your faith in front of a world that is watching because they're watching more than we think they are. And if you pay attention to, to the world, even underneath all the comments and the, the criticism or any resistance, what you're gonna see is a growing fear and a growing desperation for hope. That's what the world is feeling right now. And they're gonna look to Christians as it happens more and more, as, as the world's promises continue to fall short and fail. People are gonna get hungrier for something real to live for, and they're gonna look to followers of Jesus for inspiration. As new ideas and man-made truths that promise liberation continue to lead to more oppression and people more wounded and people more isolated, people are gonna get more and more desperate for a firm foundation to stand on. And it's gonna lead to an opportunity to, for Christians and a space created for the church to do what we do best. I'm telling you, it's like the world has, these, has brochures beautiful brochures that promise you if you think this way, if you live this way, you will find what you're looking for because you haven't found it yet. I've tried most of them. Out of a, a noble desperation. And as more and more people continue, it's a beautiful letdown when you realize the brochures are hype. And as that happens, Jesus is gonna continue to get more and more intriguing to millions of people who never in a billion years ever thought that he would. Gonna look to Christians for answers and for inspiration. So make the most of every opportunity, like Paul says, to shine brighter as the days continue to get darker. His promise isn't, it's gonna get lighter just around the corner. Just wait for the end of 2023, things will get. He's saying, no, 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 regardless of the climate of the world, the word of God will never be chained. Your mindset will never be chained. We're here to live like a city on a hill, reflecting the love of God to a world that is so desperate for the love of God, for something real to put their hope in. So be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus because we don't have a safe God, but we do have a good one. 
And our callings are very challenging, but our cause is the greatest, most real cause that there is. In fact, Jesus, the final thing he prayed for before going to the cross the next day, the last thing he prayed for was not the world. It was not people who didn't know him yet. The last thing Jesus decided to pray for was the church because Jesus knows the hope of any city is found in the believers of that city. And the hope of a nation is found in the believers in that nation. And the hope of the world is the local church. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is my gospel. To live a sacrificial life with a soldier mindset. To leave it all on the court for this one short, quick life I get to live with the mindset of an athlete. And to live full and die empty with the mindset of a farmer. And regardless, man, of circumstance or season, the word of God cannot be chained and this God will never be stopped. He has never failed, he never has, not once, and he never will. Amen, let's go. Red Rocks, will you stand? So Holy Spirit, we just worship you right now. We pray that as we praise you, God, that you would continue to fan into flame your spirit that is alive and at work within every single one of us, that we would praise out loud for those around the world who have to whisper while they worship right now. We crank it and we praise you and we worship and we enjoy the gift of your presence and we rise to the occasion that's in front of us. Would you speak to every person individually what mindset to cultivate this week? Is it the mindset of a soldier? Is it the mindset of an athlete? Is it the mindset of a farmer? God, would you speak to us individually and would something within us, our faith, surge up and rise up as we worship you. We love you. We pray this in the powerful, beautiful, wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Let's worship.